are going to get right back into our series on Source Code. It is a series on the Bible. If you have your smartphone Bible, your paper Bible, your tablet Bible, whatever version you've got with you, I read from the ESV. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Pull out your notes. We're going to talk about the Bible once again and how you can experience spiritual revelation through the scriptures for your life. We want to say a welcome to our campus in Taunton who watches these messages by video. Everybody in Taunton, hello. Welcome to the service. And everybody in North Attleboro, let's give them a hand and welcome them in and say hello to them. All right. Before we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, here's what it says in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatever was written in former days, the scriptures, was written for our, what? The word is? instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we may have everybody say it with me hope hope doesn't come from washington dc hope comes from the scriptures hope comes from the word of god but not just hope instruction knowing what to do in any and every particular situation that you find yourself in how to respond, what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do. You can find all that in this powerful, life-changing book. Amen, somebody? Amen. Last week we talked about this. We said, what is the Bible all about? Can I summarize it in one paragraph? Can I summarize it in one sentence? Can I summarize it in one single word? And I said, yes, I could, and I did, and I, and I showed you what the Bible is all about. If you were here last week, I never know because it's summer. You're here one week, not the other one. But if you were here last week, tell me in one, in one word, I'll count to three, and then you all answer if you were here last week. What is the Bible about? One, two, three. Jesus. That's right. The Bible is all about Jesus. You have to read the Bible with Jesus in mind. If you don't, it'll get confusing, and it'll be very, very strange, especially in those Old Testament books when you're reading about blood and sacrifice and all that kind of stuff. But just knowing that the Bible is about Jesus isn't the end of the story. You need to understand that not only is the Bible about Jesus, but listen, the third person of the Trinity wrote it. The Holy Spirit has given us the scriptures. Men spoke from old, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that's how we got the scriptures. And you need, to, you need to know today, this is the message title, the Bible is a spiritual book written for spiritual people. It is not uh, an academic book. It is not a book that you just read like you would read a novel. It is not just a history. It is the word of God. And it is spiritual. There's a spiritual component to this book. If you read it like it's a novel, if you read it like an academic, it will make no difference in your life. But listen very carefully to me. If you read it, knowing that it's spiritual, and it's got spiritual truth in it for spiritual people, it will change your life. It will empower you. It will give you courage and confidence and boldness. And I want to show you from the scriptures how you receive spiritual inspiration from God's eternal word. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, stand with me as we read from this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Paul says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age, or of the ruler or the rule or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ. But as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of the person within him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The Bible is a spiritual book written to those who are spiritual. Now let's pray. Father, I ask that you will, in these moments, open our hearts to hear your word and to be changed. That we will receive the truths of your word today. And not just today or in times like this when we gather together, but every day of our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a seat. So I want to pick up our story right from last week. Right from last week, we talked in Luke chapter 24, the road to Emmaus. Two guys walk all the way to this village through Emmaus. Jesus shows up. They don't know it's him. He starts to ask them what they're talking about. They're talking about the scriptures. They're talking about Jesus. He tells them about himself, and he goes through the entire Old Testament. It says from the the book of Moses, all through the prophets, how everything in the Old Testament is about Jesus. What an amazing Bible study that must have been. And then they get home, and they start having a meal with Jesus, and the Bible says he breaks the bread, and their eyes are open. Their hearts burn within them. Their eyes are open. They recognize Jesus, and they see him, and then he vanishes. <clears throat> now they know they've just spent time with the risen Christ. So they run all the way back to Jerusalem. They want to tell the disciples, guess what just happened? We just saw Jesus. And they're all excited. They run back and they talk to the guys and they said, listen, we just spent time with them. We just broke the bread. We saw them. Our eyes were open. Our hearts burned. And it was an amazing Bible study that we had with them all the way there and all the way back. Here's picking up that story now, what happens afterwards. Because it's very important you hear this moment. This is resurrection evening, verse 36 of Luke 24. It says, and they were talking about these things. Jesus himself stood among them, he suddenly appeared, and said to them, peace to you. Notice that he says, peace to you. That's going to be important in just one minute. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit, and he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that is my eye, myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and blood or bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. So he says, peace to you. And then he shows them his hands and his feet, and he says, look, it's really me, guys. Very important that you remember this. Verse 46, verse 44, I'm sorry. Then he said to them, these are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the 
Love Moses and the prophets. Again, it's all about Jesus. Everything written about me. And the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45, the key verse of the scripture, it says, Then he opened their minds. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. How many of you would like your minds open so that you could understand what this book is all about? This can happen for you. Because it happened for the disciples and this is what Jesus wants to do for you. He opens their mind. But there is another key event that happens at this moment that we need to look at. And we've got to look at it from another account of the life ministry of Jesus. From the Gospel of John. There are four accounts of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not that Jesus' life begins in Matthew and ends in John. No. There are four parallel accounts. They all talk about Jesus' coming, Jesus' ministry, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. All four accounts talk about it. Some of them cover other details. Some of them talk about things that others don't. But there are four parallel accounts. Now here in Luke 24, John gives us his experience in this moment. And he gives us a little detail that's very important for us to understand what happened when Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Here's what John says in verse 19 of chapter 20. On the evening of that day, again, this is resurrection day right after the road to Emmaus event. On the evening of that day, of the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus suddenly came and stood among them. There it is. He appears again. Same event, same moment, same time, same place. And he says, peace be with you. That's the same thing that Luke records. So we know this is the same moment. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Same event, same time, same place. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now look at what John says happens here. It says, and when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Luke says that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I asked you all, how many of you would like that to happen? You raise your hands. You would like God to open your mind to receive the scriptures. How do I do that? Here's how it happens. You receive the Holy Spirit. And you will not understand what the Bible is saying to you and for you until you receive the Holy Spirit. If you are taking notes with us, fill in the blanks along with me. I need to receive the Holy Spirit to understand the scripture. I cannot just read it. I cannot just sit and think, okay, I'm going to read through the thing and it's going to come to me and now I'm going to know it's in the Bible. No, you won't get anywhere. Because before Jesus sends the disciples out, he gives them the Holy Spirit. And he says, now you can open the scriptures and now you can understand what God is saying to you and for you and through you. And your life can be changed through the truth of God's word. But it will not happen without the Holy Spirit. Because it is a spiritual book written for spiritual people. Paul says we impart this wisdom, not by words taught by man, but by the Spirit, because the Spirit interprets spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Have you ever realized that the people who do not belong to Christ, the people who do not understand the Lord, the people who are not Christians, have no clue what the Bible means? 
and that you can have a conversation with someone they're not a Christian, and it's like you're hitting a brick wall with your words. Why? Because it is a spiritual book written to spiritual people who have received the Holy Spirit of God. Now, people look at me, and they say, yeah, I know God can speak to you, Pastor Tim. You're the pastor. You're the guy up on the stage. Of course God speaks to you. Listen. The same God that speaks to me wants to speak to you. The same event that the disciples had in John chapter 20 and Luke chapter 24, you can have as well. You, little old you, somebody say, little old me. You can have an experience in which you receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit starts to open up the Bible to you and you can know what to do, when to do, and how to do it and your life will be dynamically changed. But you've got to receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit opens the Bible to your mind. Here's what Paul, Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. Remember Jesus breathed on them. There's something happening symbolically here. He breathes on them. They receive the Spirit. And that's because the Word of God, the Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness that we might be equipped for every good work. Now here's what you need to see. There's a living example of this transformation that takes place in Luke chapter 24 and John chapter 20. Remember Peter. Peter is Jesus' like, number one disciple. He's always with Jesus. He's always in the inner sanctum of Jesus' following. And he's on the mountain with Jesus. And he's on the boat with Jesus. And he's in the inner room raising the dead girl with Jesus. And he's having all these amazing experiences with Jesus. He's walking with Jesus for three years. Talking with Jesus. Eating with Jesus. Everything. The whole time with Jesus. And he's listening to everything Jesus says. But hear me. Nothing is getting in. We know this because every time Jesus asks a question and Peter opens his mouth, it's like open mouth, insert foot. He's getting it wrong all the time. And Jesus is telling him these amazing spiritual truths. And it's just like, bing, bing, bing. You know, it's just like, zh, zh, zh. How many times Jesus is frustrated with the disciples? Don't you get it yet? Don't you understand? Are you still slow of hearing what's wrong with you guys? How long will I be with you? Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20, and suddenly everything for Peter changes. This wimp, spineless, you know, courageless disciple who could not say he was a follower of Jesus in front of a little girl while Jesus was going to the cross. He denied him three times, called down curses from heaven on himself, said, I don't even know who you're talking about. I don't know this man. This Peter receives the Spirit, and suddenly... He becomes a dynamic, powerful man of God. And in Acts chapter 1, you see him open the scriptures and say, guys, we've got to replace Judas, because here's what it says in the Psalms. We've got to find someone to fill his place. And they make a decision based on what? Based on the scriptures. How does it happen? Peter interprets what the Bible is saying for that moment. Acts chapter 2 comes along, and there's a festival called Pentecost, and they're celebrating the Pentecost. This is the festival, and the Holy Spirit comes, and now they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in tongues and declaring all the glories of God. 
And the Bible says these guys think, what is wrong with these dudes? They're drunk. They're, they're full of wine. Whatever. They're off their rocker. And Peter, who could not confess Christ in front of a little girl, stands up on the day of Pentecost and preaches a powerful sermon and quotes from the, apostle, the prophet Joel and quotes from the Psalms and quotes from Isaiah and says it's because Jesus was put to death by your wicked hands, but God has raised him to life. We are witnesses of this, and you need to repent and turn to Jesus and 3,000 people that day get saved. How many of that's a good day for the church? 3,000 people come to Jesus. This is Peter. Peter, Acts chapter 3, the very next chapter, Peter's walking to church, not even in church yet. He's a lame man. He says, I don't have any money for you, but what I have I give. And he reaches out, picks up his hand, lifts this man back up out of his lameness, and he gets healed walks into the temple celebrating jumping up and rejoicing everybody sees that this guy that was always begging and lame at the gate they turn to peter and he says why do you look at me like i've done this it's in the name of jesus and he starts quoting scriptures and going crazy with all this boldness and confidence and truth and lives are changed and two thousand people come to know jesus christ that day what's happened to peter here's what happened the holy spirit came into his life opened the scriptures, and now he has confidence, boldness, and assurance that what he is doing is what God wants him to do. What a powerful change. What a powerful life. How many of you would love to live with the confidence that what you are doing is what God wants you to do? That you know in your heart you have heard from Almighty God, and He has spoken to you, and now you're assured that the path that you are on is God's path for your life, and you have nothing to worry about, because God told you to live this way, and you're going to be fine, because God is going to take care of you. Why do you know that? The scriptures tell you. Imagine living with that kind of confidence. Imagine making decisions in your life based not on what other people think you should do, but on what God says you can do. Imagine living your life not based on what you feel like doing, but what you know God wants you to do. We said this a couple weeks ago. People make stupid decisions based on how they feel. I don't feel like going to work. I don't feel like studying. I don't feel like doing these things. And I feel like loving this person. I know they're a crack addict, but I feel like loving them. Feelings, 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 feelings. And we get all jacked up in life. Why? Because our feelings are the most misleading things in our lives. And instead of living by feelings, how about this? How about you do something radical? Live by God's word. Live by what God says and see how it goes. You say, I want to do that, but I don't know sometimes what God says. Receive the Holy Spirit. Just as you are, little old you, God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that this book starts making sense to your life. How do I know this? I know this because it's the Holy Spirit that wrote the book. <laughs> Here's what Peter, the same Peter, courageous Powerful Peter says later on in his epistle, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, he says, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men from God spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What's Peter saying? He's saying this thing 
was written by men who were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired the men to write it. Now listen, if the Holy Spirit inspired men to write it, then the Holy Spirit can inspire you to hear it and understand it and know that what it is saying is applicable to your life and you can walk with confidence and power and assurance that you are on the right track. It's the breath of God. It's the water of life. It's the bread of heaven. John, John chapter 14, verse 26, here's what Jesus says. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is there to teach you. In John chapter 16, verse 13, he says, the Spirit, uh, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all, what? Into all truth. How do I know what's true for my life? Not by popular opinion. Not by what you see on television. Not by what you hear from your friends. But by what God has written in his word. So that you can stand on the solid rock of God's word and know that you know that you know you are making the right choices in your life. And when you make the right choices in your life, it will go well with you. People say this all the time, I want to know, I want to know God's will for my life. I just want to know God's will for my life. And they act like it's some kind of secret that you got to search across the world for. And then they think, oh, I feel like this. And there it is again, feelings. And they do it and they're messed up. You can know God's will for your life. How do you know it? It's right here. It's right here. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will know where to go and what steps to take as I study and look at your word. You say, I've tried to look at it. I've tried to read it. I don't get it. Here's why you don't get it, because you have yet to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrote it, friends. If he wrote it, he knows it. And if he knows it, he can tell you what it means. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? You can receive God's truth for your life right where you are through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how do I get the Holy Spirit? I want the Holy Spirit. All right, here's, here's how you get the Holy Spirit. I got 15 points for you on how to get the Holy Spirit. Point number one, ask. Point number two, ignore the rest and go back to point number one. <laughs> That's it. Just ask for God to give you the Holy Spirit, and he will give you the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, if you sinful people know how to good, good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You do not have to do spiritual calisthenics. You do not have to be saved for 15 years. You do not have to be a preacher or a pastor. You do not even have to be a small group leader to receive the truth of God word, God's word for your life. All you need to do is ask for the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will come into your life and show you what the Bible means. And you will walk with confidence and power and purpose. And nothing will shake you as you do God's will for your life. I was um, taking my kids to the bus stop one morning, 
this past school year. And usually the bus stop event in the morning for us is pretty uneventful. But this morning, I didn't realize all hell had broken loose. I walk up to the bus stop, and there's a lady there, and she's got her kids, and she tells me, you won't believe what happened. I said, what happened? She said, they've changed our school for next year. Our whole neighborhood is moving from this district over to the other district, and our kids are going to a new school. I said, well, you know, I, you know, I, I think that's not that bad. I mean, I'm no, you know, school person or whatever. I think school's cool. Just go and learn. She said, you don't understand. They're going from the second best performing school in the state to the second worst performing school in the state. Now, how many know that does not sit well with soccer moms? <laughs> She's freaking out. And listen to me. They had me go into these meetings and sit through this school board meeting and all that stuff. And let me tell you something. I have found the seventh circle of hell and it is in a school committee meeting. <laughs> and I am watching these people talk and talk and I'm supposed to make some kind of statement or stand or whatever. I don't even know what I'm doing there. All I know is that whatever I did, did not work. And, you know, they're rallying the troops, and they're writing letters, and they're doing all this stuff. And listen, every day at the bus stop, bad news. More bad news. More, this went on for two months. It got to the point where I did not want to take my kids to the bus stop anymore. Like, just go. You just go. Avoid cars. Find the bus. I don't care. And... And one morning I woke up and I said to myself, it was a Monday morning and I remember because I just preached and I said, you know, God, I tell the people at the church to take this Bible and apply it to every area of their life to have success. And here I am. And if I don't do it now, then I'm a hypocrite. And so I walked out the door and I said, I'm, I, I said one simple prayer. Here's all I said. I said, God, Holy Spirit, give me the words to say so that I can just encourage this woman at the bus stop. You know, big problem here. So I'm, you know, <laughs> Holy Spirit, come and help me. Not really that big of a deal. But listen what happens. I go to the bus stop. And I see her, and, and I can just see that she's got fresh material. <laughs> she, she's just like brimming. Let me tell you what happened now. <laughs> right? And, and I just said, you know what? The Bible tells me that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So I'm okay with this change. And she looked at me and she said, where did you get that? <laughs> I said, I got it from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. She said, well, I trust God, but these school committee people... I don't trust anybody in charge of this school district. I'm done with them. I said, I understand that, but the Bible says that all the authorities on this earth are put in place by God, and so we can have confidence that though they look like they're in charge, ultimately God is over them, in charge of them, and so those things will all work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Amen. And she said, I didn't say the amen, but I said the scripture. And she said, where did you get that? Again, and I said, well, that's Romans chapter 13, verse 1. And I, I didn't think of it, 
the kids got on the bus, the bus came, kids got on the bus, I walked back home, went to work, came back from work, and my wife hits me in the front of the door, she says, what did you say to our neighbor this morning? I'm like, you know, thinking, what did I say? Did I, did I swear? What did I say? <laughs> um, I said, I remember we were talking about the school thing, and I said, I just quoted her the scriptures. I just told her a couple of scriptures. She said, well, I got a text from her, and she wants to know the book, the chapter, and the verse so that she can give them to her family, and they can know that everything's going to work out all right. <laughs> Listen to me. When you live with the Holy Spirit instructing you through the scriptures, life gets better. <laughs> Things don't trouble you as much as they used to. Problems don't seem as big. Do you know why? Because you've read about how big your God is. And you realize that, oh, goodness, he created everything. He's kind of big. And he loves me. That's kind of big. And so no matter how big my problem is, guess what? I know. The scriptures tell me my God is bigger. And I'm going to be okay. Because I have God with me. And he who is for me is greater than he who is against me. And no power on this earth can touch me because I am sealed in the power of the Holy Spirit in the hand of Almighty God. And if the worst thing they can do is kill me, that's fine. I'll go be with God for eternity. Do you understand the confidence God wants to give you now? There is a word for you right now in these words that will help you in temptation, in addiction, in struggle, in failure. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable. The devil has you convinced that this scripture, this book is against you. Stop it! Stop listening to what everybody else tells you about the Bible and start listening to what God says about the Bible. He's for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to guide you and protect you and prosper you. How? Through his word. So many people are scared to approach the Bible. I don't know. It's so, it's so negative. Why do you think it's negative? Who sold you that bad bill of goods? The devil. The Hollywood actors out there who have convinced you that Christianity is the worst thing that ever happened in this country. When it's the best thing that ever happened in this country. We have hospitals today because of Christians. We have schools today because of Christians. The educational system started one town over in Rehoboth because of Christians. That's why we are educated and hospitalized and have medicine and have ed higher education. It started by Christians. Stop buying the lies of the enemy and start getting a hold of the truth of the word of God that can change your life and empower your future. But you need to receive it. And I want to give you three things that you can do right now to start letting the Holy Spirit speak to you through this book. From 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll just look again a couple verses. He says, among the mature, we impart wisdom. We, Paul says, we impart wisdom. It's not a wisdom of this age, and it's not a wisdom of the rulers of this age. Those people are destined to pass away. He says, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom from God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. 
He says, this is, this is God's wisdom. We impart this. Paul the Apostle saying to the Corinthians, we impart it to you. So number one, you're taking notes. I need teaching. I need somebody to teach me the word of God. Yeah, you do. You need to get into a Bible, a, a Bible teaching and preaching church. Put it up on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. We impart wisdom. I need teaching in my life. I need somebody to go through the scriptures and show me what it means. Listen to what's, what's happening right now. What's happening right now is that you are getting taught the word of God. And the word of God is settling on your heart. And right now you are receiving the truth that God has for you even in this moment. That's why you have to go to church. That's why you should come to a church where there is a Bible open, where the guy is not just talking about politics and ideas and rainbows and leprechauns. Where the guy is talking about Jesus and pointing you to God and pointing you to the Word of God and showing you the Scriptures and what they mean. That's how you get taught. That's how you get fed. That's how you live and are powerful in the Word of Christ in your life. I, I need teaching. I need somebody to show me what the Bible means, and I need to hear the Word of God. Why? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. It doesn't say faith comes by reading. It says faith comes by hearing. You have to hear it. I, I want you to look at this in perspective. Christianity has been around for 2,000 years. Only for the last 500 years have people been able to read it, the common people. So for the first 1,500 years, the way people learned about God was through the preaching and teaching of God's word, through hearing it. That's why we teach the Bible. Okay? Go to a church. Listen. Go to a church where they open the Bible, they read the scriptures, and then they teach you what it means. And if you're looking for a church that does that, I'm preferential to this one. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, you need to get this into your mind because look what Jesus says. Go therefore, Matthew 28, go therefore and, get, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do everything I've commanded you. I'm amazed at the number of Christians. The number of Christians, people who say, I'm a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian. Do you, uh, wonderful. Um, how does that work out in your life? Well, I, I'm a Christian. What does that mean? Well, I don't know what it means. I just know I'm a Christian. Well, what, what do you mean that you're a Christian? Well, I, I raised my hand and I prayed a prayer and that was it. That was it? No, 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 no. Here's what Jesus says. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. <laughs> that being a Christian has something to do with Christ. Not just, not just thinking about Christ, not just believing in Christ, but listen, doing what Christ says to do. Or like, for instance, just people that you don't like. Christians do this. I don't like them. I hate them. Well, why do you hate them? Because they're my enemy. I don't like them. They're evil. They're bad. Eh. <laughs> okay, but Jesus taught you to love your enemies and pray for them and bless them. Ouch. Yeah, that's doing what Jesus told us to do. <laughs> that's what being a Christian is. It is not close your eyes, pray a prayer, amen, done, finished, go and live. No, it is listening to what Jesus taught and then doing it. Because what difference does it make if you listen to it and you don't do it? It doesn't make any difference whatsoever. 
Teach them to obey. Teach them to obey. Teach them to do what Jesus taught us to do. And there is a host of Christians in this country that say they believe in Jesus, but they don't have the first clue of what Jesus said to do. That's a problem. Get into a Bible preaching church and learn what Jesus says to do and start doing it. Amen, somebody. I could go on and on about that, but I'll save that for another service. Revelation 3.6 says, he who has an ear to hear. You've got to hear it. You've got to hear it. Hear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the churches. Listen, you can't just believe in Jesus and not go to church. That's ridiculous. Going to church doesn't make you Christian. I get that. But by all means, feed your faith through going to church. And, and go to a church that feeds you. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't know who I'm talking to exactly today. You know, I know a lot of people come here regularly. But listen, I've had conversations with people who have made decisions about where they go to church based on stupid criteria. Well, I've gone to that church for 30 years. So what? Are you getting anything out of it? No. But, but my, my grandmother would die if I ever left that church. Where's your grandmother now? Well, she's dead. <laughs> How will she die? Well, she'll die in heaven. It'll be very bad. I mean, you don't even know what the Bible says. You have to understand that when you stand before God Almighty, he's not going to say, did you make your grandma happy? Jay, did you hear my word and did you do it? Did you hear my word and did you do it? We, we need to understand what the scripture says and make a decision about where to go to church, where you get fed. Well, I go to this church because it's got a great children's program. So what? So what about the children's program? By the way, the Bible says it's your responsibility, parents, to raise your children in the knowledge of the scriptures. I, I, I get frustrated with parents who say, well, my kids are all messed up. They call the church. It's your fault. Why? We're with them one hour a week. You got them the rest of the time. You have to teach it. Well, I don't know it. Exactly. That's why you got to get in it and read it and hear it and learn it so you can teach it. And learn how to teach it and grow in the Holy Spirit will help you do that too. Amen, somebody. Number two, uh, you have to move from hearing it taught to reading it and letting the Holy Spirit speak to you because we're only here one hour a week. And Here's what I want you to, see, to do. I want you to start becoming a self-feeder. It's the bread of heaven. It's the bread of life. I need quiet, personal reflection on what God's word says. Because I can't go home with you. And I don't think you want me to. Well, maybe a few weirdos do. But I, I can't <laughs> go home with you and teach you what to do. But here's what can happen. The Holy Spirit goes with you. And he comes home with you. And he's available to talk to you any moment of the day. Become a self-feeder. I have three children. One's 10, one's 8, and one's 0. And I only feed one of them. The other two have learned to pick up forks, stick in food, stick in mouth, chew and swallow. At some point, the third one is going to learn how to do that too. Hallelujah. <laughs> but how embarrassing would it be for my little Jakey, if I had to go to his senior prom with him, cut his meat, and feed him his food. 
in front of his date. That would actually be kind of fun. But nonetheless, he has to learn how to feed himself. Christian, you have to learn how to feed yourself. Now I dare you, I dare you. Go home today at some point and turn off everything around you. Get your Bible, your paper-written Bible, by the way. I outlaw for this moment any smartphone Bibles because if you try it with a smartphone Bible, you'll be playing a game within two minutes. <laughs> Doodle jump or something like that. And open your paper Bible alone, and before you start reading it, by the way, turn to a New Testament passage or a psalm, and turn to the New Testament passage. I prefer the book of John, First uh, John, Second John, Third John, whatever, Matthew. Open it, and before you start reading it, you say, just like I said on the way to the bus stop that morning, Holy Spirit, speak to me through your word. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. I, I dare you to do it, but you've got to get alone and you've got to get quiet. Because here's what Paul says. He says, we give you a secret and hidden wisdom from God. How do you hear a secret? You get really quiet. And you get really quiet. And you shut off everything else around you so that you can hear the secret. But this is the problem with most people. You are inundated with so much noise in the world. I got to hear what's happening. What's on television? What's going on in sports? What's happening with the Kardashians? All this baloney that does not make a difference in your life. Believe it or not, if the Red Sox do not make the playoffs, you will not benefit and you will not suffer. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what matters is that you hear from God. And things start to change in your life, but you will never hear from God until you learn to turn out the noise. Turn off the radio, turn off the television. Get the kids in another room. Go play in traffic. I'm studying the Word of God. Amen. <laughs> you know, just get alone and get quiet and let God speak to you. The psalmist says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. And thirdly, here's what's going to happen. I experience spiritual revelation. I experience spiritual revelation. The Bible says this again in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. These things God has revealed to us by the it is a spiritual book written to spiritual people. And then he says, he says the Spirit searches all things. <laughs> this, is, this is the best part. Look, the Holy Spirit is an expert on everything. And you have the Holy Spirit with you if you ask him. And so you can walk through life with an expert on everything talking to you. Wouldn't that be helpful? Like that would just change everything. That just changes the game plan. And then you walk with confidence because he knows everything. He searches out everything, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the, person, except the spirit of the person in them. So no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And we have, and we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit was from God that we might understand. There it is again, the word understand. The things freely given us by God. Listen. The same Holy Spirit that talks to me 
and talk to Peter and talk to pastors and leaders and Christians all over this world can talk to you through the word of God and change your life. You need to ask him to come in. I want you to stand.